Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. This is working. All right, we've already overcome a major hurdle. Awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, so today we're going to be talking about wisdom, about God's wisdom, and it's fantastic. We've already seen and heard so much of God's wisdom in the songs that we've sung. Um, having faith in God, um, the King of my heart, the recognizing that God is good and that He's never going to let us down. Half of my sermon has already been preached just in the songs that we've sung, uh, in that testimony that we just heard about the wisdom of those, uh, those young people who are crowding around the Gideons just longing for God's word. How amazing. And that's, uh, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. That's that at work, just seeing that kind of desire for God's word. That's wisdom. Um, we have wisdom leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus instead of leaning on our own understanding. We'll be talking about today. Um, wisdom in having uh, people in the back right now praying over this service, praying that God's word would be preached. That's wisdom. That's, that's putting our faith into practice. So there's so much wisdom already that we've seen, uh, and we haven't even gotten into the sermon yet. Um, we have, uh, we have a great time of celebrating our graduates today. Um, a, lot of the st- a lot of the proverbs that we look at are couched in terms of a father passing along wisdom to his son, passing along instruction to his son. That's what we see is we see um, these young people uh, learning and moving along and increasing in their knowledge. But knowledge isn't all there is. You know, unless you put that knowledge into practice, you're not really exercising wisdom. Wisdom is all about putting what you know into practice. And the thing is, I, I, we kind of have to realize that we never really graduate until we're with Christ in glory. We are always learning. We're always growing in wisdom in that school of real life where we put the knowledge that God has given us into practice in every situation in our lives. So, so what a great setup to look at the wisdom literature in Proverbs. If you're reading along with us in the reading plan, we're starting to get into the wisdom literature uh, in the reading plan, into Proverbs. So, um, so we're going to start looking at that. What we realize throughout God's word is that it's God's will for us to be wise, to walk in wisdom. In Ephesians, Paul writes, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God wants us to be wise. God wants us to walk in wisdom. Part of God's will is to is to be wise. And God tells us what his will is also. That is our sanctification. He wants to set us apart 
for his service. And we do that through walking in wisdom. So our text today, we're going to focus on Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Uh, Before we get to that specific passage, we're going to lay some groundwork on um, how to look at, how to think about, how to live out wisdom as God presents it. So we'll look at four points. We'll look at a faithful perspective on wisdom in general. We'll look at the focal point of wisdom. And then we'll look at how it points out our fundamental problem and the foundational principle for overcoming that fundamental problem. So faithful perspective, focal point, fundamental problem, and foundational principle. So let's pray together before we go any further. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for revealing in your word what true wisdom is. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to understand your wisdom and to walk in wisdom, not just to know it, but to do it, to put our faith into practice. Um, Lord, transform us by your word. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be at work in us today as, uh, as we submit ourselves to you and to what you have revealed to us in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So first we'll be looking at a faithful perspective on how we understand problems, on how we understand Proverbs. Now, I've called this a faithful perspective because Proverbs assumes a covenant relationship with the one true God. Proverbs isn't just a book of life hacks that I want these things, so I'm going to do this. Proverbs is written in the context of God's covenant people. You look through the Proverbs, and so often you see that when you read it in your English Bible, you'll see that word LORD in there in all caps. The covenant name of God is used often throughout Proverbs. It's built on that relationship between God and his people. So it's not just um, like an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Um, It's not just a stitch in time saves nine, like random little life hacks. This is talking about how to put that covenant relationship with God into practice, how to glorify God and how to live out the blessings that he wants to bless us with. Um, Generally speaking, Proverbs are wise advice, not fail-proof promises. And we need to keep that in mind as we read the Proverbs. Um, that's generally considered in you know, the commentaries, the theologians will tell you, don't look at Proverbs in general as a promise. Look at them as wise advice for living. Proverbs aren't like vending machines. You don't put in you know, wise living in the slot, press a button, and you get some sort of temporal blessing out of it. That's not the way Proverbs works. Of course, you know, in this fallen world, if you've ever used a vending machine, the chances of you actually getting out what you uh, push the button for aren't too good anyway. So just keep that in mind. So um, they're practical instructions for living in relationship with God in the world that he created and over which he reigns as our sovereign Lord. We're living wisely in God's world for his glory and for our good. Okay? And we're going to talk a lot about our good. Keep in mind that we are notoriously bad at knowing what is good for us. As fallen human beings, 
we don't generally know what's good for us. We think we know, but God generally knows better what's good for us. Okay? There, most of the Proverbs that we see, especially in chapter 10 and following, are just, they're short, memorable statements without disclaimers. Uh, pithy little sayings that are easy to remember. Um, chapters 1 through 9 kind of set the stage for wisdom. They, they kind of present the wisdom of wisdom, why it's good to be wise. Um, and then chapters 10 and following is more the, uh, the actual little rules of thumb to live by in order to be wise. Um, so again, but they, they don't generally have disclaimers. Take a look at, well, just consider Proverbs 19.15. It says, laziness casts one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. Okay? General rule of thumb. You work diligently, you reap the rewards. But we all know that there are exceptions. We all know that there are uh, people who don't work hard who have plenty to eat. Uh, unless the, so there, there's not like a little asterisk after the, the proverb. It's, uh, you know, unless the idle person has you know, parents who continue to support them, unless, unless the idle person wins the lottery and uh, has a nest egg that'll last them for the rest of their lives, whether they do anything or not. We all know that there are those exceptions, but generally speaking, laziness casts one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. That's a general rule to live by. That's wisdom. So Proverbs assumes exceptions. Of course, there are exceptions to the rule that Proverbs assume exceptions because there are some places in the Proverbs where it tells us, where, where Proverbs tell us what God's character is. There are no exceptions to God's character. God's character does not change with circumstances. Okay? We know that um, God says, I am the Lord, I change not. So his character doesn't change with the circumstances. So those sort of Proverbs, no exceptions to those. When you see the Proverbs that are corroborated elsewhere in Scripture, whether that's in the law, whether that's in you know, Paul's teachings, um, then those aren't just rules of thumbs with an exception. So there are exceptions to the rule that there are exceptions. Applying Proverbs often takes discernment. Take Proverbs 26, 4, and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Well, which is it? Do I answer a fool according to his folly, or do I not answer a fool according to his folly? It takes discernment. So in the situation, in whatever situation we're trying to apply the wisdom, being faithful to God may look different, depending on that circumstance. The, the fundamental principle is be faithful to God. Glorify, glorify God. Do the right thing. But how that looks in a certain circumstance may be different. So now we get into this, that's kind of understanding problems. Now let's look at a, the faithful perspective in applying Proverbs. Because the thing is, Proverbs can be kind of dangerous in the wrong hands. Um, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? In the wrong hands, though, wisdom can be kind of like a bludgeon. Okay? In the, used wrongly, some of this wisdom can hurt. Um, and, even, and Proverbs helps us to understand how this is true. It says, like a thorn, this is Proverbs 26, 9, like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. 
Um, Proverbs 26, 9 says, uh, sorry, the, the CSB translation, translate that, a proverb in the mouth of a fool is like a stick with thorns brandished by the hand of a drunkard. So if we're not careful in how we apply proverbs, it can cause damage. So um, indiscriminately swinging proverbs without really thinking what it means and really thinking about how it applies to the situation, um, trying to apply general wise advice as if it were a promise, um, kind of that has the potential of making us like Job's miserable comforters. Okay? They all knew, if you look back at the story of Job, they thought that they knew what was going on. They thought that they knew why Job was suffering and they just kept hitting him over the head with you must be doing wrong because you're suffering. But it tells us at the very beginning of the book that Job was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. Okay? So they got it wrong. They were applying wisdom wrongly. So we need to be very, very careful when we apply wisdom, literature. One of the classic cases of this is Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Everyone heard this? This is familiar to everyone? Okay, yeah, I, I know you've heard it. Okay, so... What is that saying? Is that a promise? Is that, I think a lot of people are living in a lot of guilt and a lot of people have been really hurt by applying this as if it were a promise. Like if, if your kids didn't turn out right, somehow you're doing something wrong as a parent, right? So the question is, is, is that child a machine without a will of his own? And the only input that goes in is, um, is the training of the parents. Now, the, the child is a responsible, moral creature created in God's image. Um, think about the godly parents in the Bible who had ungodly kids. Think about the fact that God refers to Israel as a rebellious son. You know, God is the perfect father, and he had a son who rebelled. So we need to be careful that to apply the principle to do what we are called to do and leave the results up to God. It's kind of like the, the watchman principle from Ezekiel chapter three. Basically, the watchman is responsible for sounding the alarm. The watchman is not responsible for the response to the alarm. The only time the watchman is held responsible is if he doesn't do what he's called to do. You don't sound the alarm then the people's blood is on your head. So we're called to be faithful, to do what God calls us to do, leave the results up to him. Um, this is kind of painfully near and dear to my heart because I remember applying what I thought was the right way uh, to, to look at this proverb to a friend who, was, who had uh, a son who was... Um, who was wayward, who was going away from the Lord. And I had to call him up years later and apologize to him because um, what I had said to him was not helpful. What I had said to him was not a blessing. It was not encouraging him to just be faithful and to, you know, to pray for God's will to be done. Um, and um, that, that was a big wake-up call for me and, and how important it is to... Uh, to wisely apply this wisdom. 
So one last thing to understand the importance of keeping a faithful perspective on Proverbs is to look at the life of Jesus. Because Proverbs 22.4 says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Okay, was Jesus humble? Uh, I think so. Um, did he fear the Lord? Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that he did. Was he a rich man? Okay. Was, was he honored? He was despised and rejected by men. And he died an early death. So, you know, I don't think we can say that Jesus wasn't wise because, you know, oh, let's look at his life. Uh, he, he was poor. Uh, he was humiliated in his death, and he died early. Okay. So we need to be very careful in how we, how we look at uh, how we look at wisdom literature. Basically, that faithful perspectives on, on Proverbs means follow the principles, leave the results up to God. Okay? God, is, God is much more qualified to be God than we are. Right? So we just trust his character, trust his love, trust his goodness without uh, trying to hold him to our standard for what is good. So now we're going to get into our, our actual passage for today, which um, we have a sort of a general overview of Proverbs. And when we look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8, um, it's a pretty good candidate for kind of summing up what wisdom is, what Proverbs is all about in these four verses. Um, Jesus tells us that all the law and the prophets hang on the two commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 is kind of is a good candidate for the focal point of wisdom literature. Now, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I think of this as one of those Othello passages, not, you know, the Shakespeare play Othello, the game, little black and white discs, and you try to, um, you know, bracket your opponent's color between your colors and flip them all. Um, the, The tagline for that, the advertising for that said, a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. This passage, I I love this passage. There is so much here, and I'll try not to go into everything, but else we'd be here all day. Uh, There's so much here. It's a minute to learn. It doesn't take very long, especially if you put it to song, especially if you uh, listen to Steve Green, um, Hide Him in Your Heart. He he sings this, and I've I've had this song going through my head for the last, what, about 20 years, give or take? How old are you, Lord? Yeah, give or take. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. It doesn't take very long to say. It doesn't take very long to memorize. But you'll be learning this. We will be learning this for our entire lives. How do we actually apply this? What does it mean? A minute to learn, a lifetime to master. When you, when you boil it all down, what it's basically saying is, trust God, it'll be good for you. Right? But the author of the Proverbs 
does this so much more artfully. This is poetry, so it's, it's compact. There's a lot of meaning in a, sm in, a, in a short amount of words, but he uses a few words because he wants to, to draw our attention to this. He makes parallelisms. He, he pairs up pluses and minuses, positives and negatives, uh, affirmations and denials. Um, this is one of the clearest ways to express a truth is by, is by giving an affirmation of what something is and then also by providing a denial. This is what we're saying something is. And to clarify that, this is what we're saying it is not. Um, so there's, there's contrast, there's parallelisms within the stanzas, between the stanzas. You have um, in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6a, you have a positive something, do this, then don't do that, then do this, and then it's followed up in uh, Proverbs 3, 7 by don't do this, do this, don't do this. It's God's word is not only true, it's not only right, it's also beautiful. And when you look at the clarity and the symmetry in how this is structured, um, it really draws your attention to the message that it's trying to tell you. This, it's telling us, is an important message. This is an important truth to apply to our lives. Okay? And the first principle is Trust God, okay? Trust the Lord with all your heart, okay? What does it mean to trust? Well, instead of talking about, instead of trying to define trust, let's think about what trust looks like. Think about David and Goliath. Think about little tiny David, gigantic Goliath. David, David with not a whole lot of, um, not a whole lot of weaponry, Goliath is this trained warrior with sword and spear and armor. And David says to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Okay. That is trust. You think that all of the people in the army, all of the trained warriors in the army of Israel knew who God was? Do you think that they knew that God was powerful and that God was able to defeat his enemies? And yet, how many of them walked across to actually face Goliath? How many of them put that knowledge into practice? That's wisdom. That's what it means to trust. Think about that in contrast with the Israelites, when they've been promised the land, they've they come out of Egypt, they've seen God's mighty hand at work, they know how God works, they know how powerful God is. They come out of the land, it's time, to, or they, they come out of Egypt, it's time for them to go into the land, they send in some spies, they go, oh, we can't go in there, there are giants. Okay. That's not trust. So we see in David what trust is. I'm gonna face that giant, coming to him with the name of the Lord God of hosts. And we see what faith, we see what trust isn't. Oh, we can't go in there, there's giants. That's trust. And trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just part of it, okay? God wants all of us. God doesn't want us to hold back something. God wants us to trust us with all of our hearts. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. God made us rational creatures. But 
he also intends that our rationality, our decision-making process is filtered through the truth that he reveals to us. It's filtered through our knowledge of his character as a good, loving, wise God. So, so those are sort of the admonitions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Okay. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Okay. Those are sort of the admonitions. And then what's the blessing? What's the, what's the result of living wisely? Okay. The result of living wisely is he shall direct your paths. Or some translations say, he will make your paths straight. Okay. Now, here it's good to remember what it means that God has our good in mind, what God means by good, and understanding that our understanding of what good is doesn't always match up with his. Think about making your path straight. Think about um, what it means that God is directing our path. Generally, that's going to result in goodness. It's going to result in blessing to us. What did it result when, when John the Baptist made Jesus's path straight? Okay. John the Baptist was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. What was the straight path that Jesus walked? Where did that path lead him? In what we can see, in what is visible from this world, it led him to the cross. It led him to being denied by his friends. It led him to being betrayed. Okay? That's, what, that's, what we, that's what is visible from this life, what we can discern with our eyes. Okay? But what did it end up with for eternity? that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay? That's what good looks like. It may lead through the cross. It may lead through suffering. Our path is to follow Jesus, is to take up our cross and follow him. But we have to remember that there's glory waiting on the other side of that. And this leads us to the fundamental problem. And we see that in the, um, do not be wise in your own eyes. Lean not on your own understanding. Depart from evil. Okay? This, this proverb points us back to our fundamental problem. And we see that in Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. All right, so there's not a knowledge problem here. There's not an education problem here. Eve knew exactly what God had said, right? So, so what's the problem? The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All right, now it's practical application time, okay? We don't have a knowledge problem. 
We know what God said. The question is, are you going to do it, Eve? Are you going to act on what you know God has said? Are you going to trust God? Are you going to trust that he has your good in mind? He's saying, don't eat of this tree, that it's good for you not to eat of this tree. Here's the decision point. Here's wisdom versus folly. Here's the contrast that Proverbs so often shows us. Are you going to follow wisdom or are you going to follow folly? Are you going to trust in God or are you going to trust in yourself? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And this is why things are the way they are. That is why, this is why we're in the predicament that we're in is because our first parents, Adam and Eve, didn't trust the Lord God with all their heart. They leaned on their own understanding. They didn't acknowledge God. They didn't depart from evil. So this is our fundamental problem, and it's still a problem that we face. We still want to see, we still want to follow what what we perceive to be good. The woman had a choice. Do Do I trust what God says is good, or am I going to trust what I see is good? I'm looking at this fruit, and it's, I think it's going to be good for me. No matter what God has said, I know what God said, but I think this fruit is going to be good for me. I'm going to go ahead and take this because I think God's holding out on me. Okay? And now it's worse because we have that sin nature. We're still tempted. Okay? And we have a fallen nature to contend with as well because of what we inherit from Adam and Eve. So in our fallenness, we try to achieve God's purposes in ungodly ways. We trust in ourselves. We try to figure out how to to do what we think is good in our own eyes. We try to, um, we we think that we we can be right by doing good things, by saying good things, okay? But, but we know, so we see that in some of the examples that Jesus had to deal with. When the people came up to him, hey, hey, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Break this down for me so that I can accomplish this in my strength, so I don't have to trust in God with all my heart. I want to figure out how I can do this. Or, okay, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Who's my neighbor? I want to narrow this down so that I can figure out how to do this myself. That's not the point. The point is, trust God. Do what he tells us to do and trust him for the results. Which brings us to the foundational principle. What does our own understanding tell us? A lot of times, it tells us when when we try to lean on our own understanding, when we think about what's uh, what our senses are telling us, what our own uh, experience tells us, we'll f- we'll tend to think in one of two directions. I'm not that bad. I'm good enough. I don't need a savior. I can do this on my own. I'm not as bad as that person over there. Or 
you'll think along the lines of, well, I, I've messed up so badly, there's no, there's no hope for me. Okay? There's, there's nothing and nobody who can save me. And those are both lies. Okay? God's grace is sufficient. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cover your sins, no matter what they are. My sins, no matter what they are. And I know what they are. <laughs> and if they can cover my sins, they can cover anybody's sins. They can cover your sins. There is nobody who is beyond salvation. Nobody anywhere is beyond salvation. Christ's death on the cross is sufficient. And we all need it because there's nobody good enough. There's none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after God. Everybody needs a savior. Okay? And that's where the foundational principle comes in. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to the, us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Where are the people who are wise in their own eyes? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Really, it's that simple. But again, a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. Repent of your sin. Trust in Christ. If we look back at the slide, we can see... What are, what are the first and the last admonitions? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The last one, depart from evil. What does that look like? Does that look like repentance and faith? Here we have in Proverbs a look at what Jesus did for us. Paul tells us that Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God is personified in Jesus Christ. Okay, true wisdom is to repent and follow Christ, to repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the foundational principle. That's how we are saved. That is how we exercise true wisdom, repenting of our sins, trusting in Christ. That's how we receive new life. Those true blessings, that straight path that's made for us, the life to our health, strength to our bones, those good things, those blessings, that's life in Jesus Christ. That's the abundant life that Christ promises us. So for those who have not trusted in Christ, that's, that's the big thing. Repent of your sins, trust in Christ, and then the rest of your life will be Walking in the wisdom that Christ is for us. Walking in the wisdom that God reveals, us, reveals to us in his word. Trusting in him. Not only trusting in him to know what to do, trusting in him and how to do it and depend on the Holy Spirit. Trusting in him for the results that we might not see in this life. Trusting that the ultimate good is for us to step into the presence of God and for him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
The blessings are not personal peace and prosperity in this life. The blessing is eternal life, praising God, glorifying God, worshiping him in his presence. The true joy is in the presence of God. In your presence is fullness of joy, we are told. That's the blessing. That's the real end of this. That's the real goal of wisdom is that blessing. So um, as we have uh, musicians come up for the, um, for the altar call, start thinking about what are you trusting in today? Are you trusting in the lie that there's no God so that it doesn't matter? You know that's not true. You know there's a God. He's revealed himself to us in his creation. The fact that there's stuff rather than nothing screams out that God is there, that he is our creator, that he is our sustainer. The heavens declare the glory of God. There's no excuse. We know that there's a God. We know that we are responsible to him. Are you trusting that God has somehow overlooked your sin? That's impossible. The eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch over the evil and the good. He sees everything. He knows everything. Are you trusting that you're good enough to earn God's favor? Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, there's no hope of that. The only hope that we have is Christ's righteousness imputed to us by faith. Our only hope is to trust completely in Jesus' life, his death on the cross to pay our penalty for sin his resurrection that declared victory over sin and death for those who trust in him, and his continued presence in heaven at the right hand of God advocating for us before the Father himself. So believer, trusting in the Lord with all your heart is still the only way to please God. We depend on him for our faithfulness, our fruitfulness, and our growth in the Christian life. We aren't doing this by ourselves. It's God at work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So if God is working on your heart to trust in him for your salvation, if God is working in your heart to take another step of obedience, listen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him shall direct your paths. Follow the path where he is leading you. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at BarbervilleFBC or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.